Hi, this is Annie Fox with Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Barbara Gruner. Barbara is a school counselor and a character educator. In fact, she is the counselor at Westwood Vales Elementary School, a national school of character. Barbara is also the author of the new book, What's Under Your Cape, Superheroes of the Character Kind. Hi, Barbara. Welcome to Family Confidential. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm happy that we connected. You know, you and I um, connected on Twitter as so many of my good friends and I have done, which is wonderful. I love being able to connect with like-minded people. You know, when I first started doing this character education stuff, I was not really aware of other people who are also doing exactly the same kind of work. And so, first of all, thank you for being a character educator. And could you tell us, um, my viewers and listeners, what is this word that we hear so much recently about emotional intelligence, social intelligence, and character education? What is it? Well, it's kind of taking a look at the whole child and not just saying, oh my gosh, it's time to get them to read and write and do arithmetic. It's saying we need to also build some social competencies so that they can get along in the world, so that they can connect and so that they can build relationships, which has to come first before we layer them on with all sorts of academics. Well, you know, a lot of people think that um, that stuff should come in preschool, kindergarten for sure. But when kids start actually in, being in the grades, <laughs> um, that that stuff falls by the wayside. And I'm, I'm wondering um, how you feel about that. And is it really the school's job to be teaching this character stuff? Well, I think we assume a lot of knowledge. And if we think that they're coming to us in the grades um, ready for life, that's kind of funny to me because in the grades is like five, six, seven years old. Well, <laughs> if they've only been alive for six years, they don't have everything they need to know yet. And so, yes, I think it's everybody's job. Um, hopefully things are happening at home to enrich and, and reinforce some manners and some courtesy and some gratitude and respect and trustworthiness. But if we're not doing it here in the schools, then we risk sending scary smart kids out into the world, right? Oh, scary smart kids. We don't want any more scary oh. smart kids. You know, Daniel Goleman has this wonderful quote from his book, Emotional Intelligence. He said, you know, if if you don't have the ability to manage your destructive emotions and create and maintain healthy relationships, it really doesn't matter how smart you are. You're just not going to get very far. And I'd love to hear you respond to that. Right. Well, because then you're not really connecting with people. That's kind of a heartbeat, I think, of what we want to do in this world is to, to give back. And, and we're not giving back if we're not able to think outside of ourselves and, and connect with other people. So it can be a me or it can be a we. And every day we get to decide that. It's really wonderful to hear you say that. And I'm going to play devil's advocate for a moment because you know you and I are on the same page. Okay, yes, ma'am. But when sometimes when I talk to teachers um, about this kind of stuff, um, they're usually very polite because teachers know how to be good students in a group, but I can almost see or feel the eye rolls. It's like, oh no, are you going to tell me I have something more to teach these kids? I have so much on my plate and there are these achievement tests that we need to teach too. So please, um, more? No, I don't think so. It's not feasible. What do you, what do you say to that? 
Well, I one time told the teacher that character had to be the plate, and it, it was a while <laughs> before she spoke to me again. But that's exactly right. We're not asking that character be an add-on, but we're asking that teachers with intentionality and purpose seize teachable moments and and um, connect their content and their curriculum to that character piece, which says, okay, how was the character feeling in this a piece that we read, or what could the character have done differently to be more successful in his social setting? So in so many areas, it weaves so easily into the DNA that it's not something extra. It's embedded in what they're already doing. No, I totally agree with that. And I can, my, my English brain, um, I'm a writer and, um, we brought our kids up reading very early, discussing stories, discussing movie plots. It was always for us about talking about character, plot points, choices, mm-hmm. um, consequences of choices. That came very natural to us as parents. Um, and certainly in a language arts or an English situation, I could, I could understand that. Yeah, this is, this is the way we teach literature. But how about something like math? Um, how do we weave that in? Or do we skip six period when we're doing math and we forget about character for that? No, we haven't forgotten about the math and the science teachers. Absolutely not. Now, in those um, subjects, it's going to be a little bit more like the social skills. How are we getting along with our neighbors? Are we cooperative learning? Um, are learning together? Um, you can certainly make your story problems, you know, subtraction. Well, I needed a cup of flour. I, I only had a half a cup, so I went to my neighbor and borrowed a cup, you can certainly do stuff like that. It's going to be a little bit more didactic, I think, and, and, and be a little more forced maybe than in, in, um, the science, than in the language arts. But it's certainly doable. Don't cheat. Um, oh, gosh, in science, when we're researching, are we I'm being honest? Are we showing honest results? Are we being good citizens? Um, there's an excellent, an excellent water displacement um, experiment that scientists do, and you can so easily take that and say, okay, now say this quarter is, I don't care, gossip, a lie, even something kind. Look at the ripples it creates. So whether it's from the negative or the positive, and how much would it take to cover that up or to layer on top of that simply by putting pennies in the water uh, during your water displacement activity. So if you've got a pretty creative mind mm-hmm. or or if you ask the kids, a lot of times they'll go, oh, Mrs. Gruner, I know what I would do with that. And they can connect it to character for you if you get stuck in those areas. Well, that's great. And the idea of a creative mind, um, I think that that's kind of should come with your teaching credential <laughs> because things are in flux all the time in the classroom. And if you have the intentionality, as you say, to infuse your classroom um, with this kind of caring, compassion, awareness, social responsibility, social courage. Um, yeah. It seems to me that you will, um, like like a heat-seeking missile, be looking for opportunities to bring home these points. Yes, and I know from my experience of answering email from tweens and teens for as long as I have, it's been 17 years, oh, that, wow. that a lot of this, unfortunately, is is missing from the school culture. In fact, just the opposite. The opposite is in place, in force in the school culture, where, where teachers seem to be very, very narrow in their view of what their job is. And, and I would love to hear from you 
um, what recommendations you, you might have for a parent who might be listening and wanting to have more of this kind of interaction at their child's school or, or an educator who's saying, you know, I'm, I'm not getting much support for this um, from my administration. It's all about teaching to the test. What, what encouragement could you give us, Barbara? Well, I've been doing a lot of workshops, especially this last summer, on creating a climate of kindness and connectivity. Really because if you're asking these kids to do all sorts of academics, but they're not feeling safe or they're not in a comfortable climate where kids are kind to one another and where there's compassionate communication going on, then it's not going to maximize their learning. And I'll tell teachers all the time, a morning meeting or some sort of a sensitivity circle or a place in which you can connect these kids up front, front loading that 10 minutes every morning to connect those kids and get that emotional barometer, it's going to buy you back the time later on in the day. Here's what I know. If a kid loses his or her hamster, I always use the hamster example because those little critters don't live very long. Say they lose their hamster and they come to school with that on their heart. Mm -hmm. To a second, a third, a fourth grader, love is love. I don't care to anybody. You lose a pet and that's heavy on your heart. Now, you don't share that in the morning with anybody because you've got to get right down to business. It's coming out by noon, by earlier than that or later than that behaviors. Those emotions are going to manifest some way. So behaviors, I see a behavior in the afternoon and oftentimes I say, baby, tell me what's going on, honey, what's going on? And it's so common to get the somebody died or or something happened or I had a fight or I said these mean words, if those things could have been put on the table when that teacher shook hands at the door or had that morning meeting, all of that could have been avoided. So much of those behaviors which distract from the learning environment can be avoided. Yeah, and I'm thinking also in a sensitivity circle, as you're talking about at the top of the day, that would give other children an opportunity to to be empathetic, to to um, lighten some of their their load that they're bringing in, even if they're not specifically speaking and saying, okay, I can relate to that. This is how friendship is built, and, and it sounds like a wonderful way to run a classroom. I love what you said about, um, you know, do that up front and you'll save a lot more time um, because I know so much classroom management comes from, quote, disruptive behavior. And what's driving that disruption sounds like unexpressed emotion. It can be a lot of times. And sometimes good news. We have a teacher who does happy news, sad news, good news, bad news. And so they can decide. And one time they went as a class to music and it wasn't this little girl's time to share because in music class, only five children, they took turns sharing. And one other little girl gave up her chance to share because they, that class wanted that music teacher to hear Tori's news. And Tori's good news that day was mom was cancer free. Now imagine mm. if Tori didn't get to share that news. Again, those behaviors based on good news unexpressed you know, could have just changed that child's day. And, and they, as a class, wanted Tori to be able to share with the music teacher the good news she had already shared in their homeroom. That's fantastic. Amazing. I love that. What a wonderful sense of community you're teaching to these kids, that they can help each other, and that we're all in this together. Together takes a village, huh? Lovely. Yes. Absolutely lovely. So for parents at home, 
Um, you know, it, it, in a way, in some ways, it sounds easier because you're not dealing with 20 children. <laughs> but but how, do, how do parents um, carve out the space? And again, it's not something separate that they're teaching in addition to, did you do your homework, pick up your shoes? Hey, how many times have I told you to hang up the wet towel in the bathroom? Um, it's, it's not that extra stuff because parents often feel like, oh gosh, at the end of the day, I'm just exhausted because I've been talking to my kids all day long. And now you want me to talk to them about other things? I don't know if I can do it. What are your tips for parents about bringing in character education into the home? Okay, my first thing, um, without question, is modeling. What are the parents already doing that their children are seeing? If there's a sick neighbor, is a meal or something, is a phone call, an email, a service, is something going out? And, you know, are you extending the olive branch if there's been a disagreement? What sorts of things are you doing because the life you live is the lesson you teach, right? So modeling is big. I tell my, my teachers that as well. Our first thing is to model. But then the modeling is, can be passive, so you need some action. I ask my boy every time he gets in the car, what did you see today that was kind? What did you see today that was unkind? Last week, I said, hey, if a teacher were to call me up, what would she tell me about how you interacted with your friends today? Why did someone call? No, I'm just asking. <laughs> but it is such a great lead-in because then all of a sudden I get the story about how he saw somebody and he interceded something or, you know, felt an injustice or, or saw an unkindness. But those sorts of things, their real life, that authentic learning – all of a sudden, a springboard for a conversation. And he's 15. So that gets a little trickier with teens, as you know, to get them to talk. But those open-ended questions to share what's going on in their life, it doesn't even have to be anything you're doing. But all of a sudden, it's something you're talking about that's real to them and that connects to their world. And I was thinking also that um, it should be reciprocal, that, that you should have an opportunity to tell him a kind thing that you saw or did, an unkind thing that you observed, and, and how did you respond to that? So that our children get to see us um, as works in progress. You know, yeah. sometimes um, we feel regret about what we did not do to intercede to help someone else. Yeah. And um, I think it's really valuable to share that, as well. And you say, wow, and here's what I learned from that. Next time I see that going on, I will not continue walking by and say nothing. Exactly. I actually have an ex excellent example. Um, it's a website called Pennies of Time. And this um, lady up in Dallas with her two little boys has um, set a goal to do something kind every day. Her children are seven and four now, I believe. And they go out into the community and do something kind every day. And so I asked her, I said, Sheila, what if you miss a day? She said, you know, if it gets late and we've missed a day, then we pull a storybook off of the shelf because, as we know, reading fiction elevates empathy as well. And they will discuss kindness and make their plan for the next day. And I have met these two little boys, and they are superheroes because kindness just exudes from them because it's what they're living, and it's what they do every day. Tell me the name of that website again. Pennies of Time. Pennies of she time. says all it takes is a penny of time. And it was um, set up in honor of a little girl named Penny who lost her life too soon and whom Sheila wanted to honor with this nonprofit that she's started now with her two boys. 
That is wonderful. And so what it makes me understand then about the way you teach and um, this modeling for parents is that this is the dance. Right now, <laughs> every day, in the moment, right now. You mm. don't have to make a big plan. Sometimes it's as easy as a smile. But you're a superhero to the person you just smiled at because you might be their only smile today, yeah. right now. At this, this is great. Can I come be in your class? <laughs> Please come visit us. Oh, I would love that. I would love to see the smiling faces of the children who obviously feel so comfortable and accepted in your school. Um, and I know that you feel that when you walk through the doors of a school, if kids feel accepted and, and know that what they can expect is respect and kindness. Um, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Here's what I've decided. It, there's nothing magical about it, but what I do is delight in their presence. And even if their story, you know, doesn't make sense to me, it's not about me, it's about them. And seeing life through their eyes and saying, if I were them, how would I want to be received right now? Sometimes that's really hard. Mostly it's extremely easy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we only have about a minute left, Barbara, and I'd love for you to let people know where they can find out more about your work, specifically your new book. Can you tell us? Excellent. Thank you. Yes, it's called What's Under Your Cape? Superheroes of the Character Kind. It's available at all major booksellers, Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com online. It's also available if you want a signed copy at my blog, which is thecorneroncharacter.com. And I'm happy to sign it. I have a PayPal set up so people can purchase and then they come right from my home and I'm happy to sign the book for them. Um, it's, a, it's just a compilation of stories and strategies from my 30 years in education to help superheroes soar. That's great. Thank you so much for being an educator. I know that you're making a difference. Thank you, Annie. And thank you for the work you do. I just love that we've connected and I'm eager to stay in touch. Absolutely. Thanks, Barbara. This is Annie Fox for Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with teens, tweens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And check out my book, The Girls' Q&A Book on Friendship, 50 Ways to Fix a Friendship Without the Drama. And please tune in next week when my guest will be Sarah Spear. Sarah is the host of the weekly podcast, The Parentalist. Until next time, happy parenting. Happy parenting.